Hey guys, if you're actually curious as to what is required, basically, for someone to stand up and run an information security office or a security team in general, stick around because that's what we're talking about today on our podcast. All right, Brad. So we get asked a lot, right? You know, what does running or standing up or or being in a security team actually entail? Right. And it is almost always from folks that have, they're new. Maybe they're a new organization that is in their infancy as far as standing up their process. Or maybe they're new to a role or they're interested in getting into one of those security roles. They're mm-hmm. a little bit more open to actually learning what all is involved so that they know career progression paths and stuff like that. So felt like that'd be something worth talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think we all know it's, it's heavily involved with a whole bunch of key elements that are required to make it work. Right. So, um, and we have a list. We're actually a little bit more organized this time today yeah. than normal. So the, the first one on the list, right, is planning. Um, yeah. Obviously, um, you have to define scope. You have to define responsibilities. You have to define this is a security team, mm-hmm. and this is what their job or their mission is. And I say you have to define that, and industry experts do as well, because one of the things that security teams have the biggest issue with is understanding that Security isn't first and foremost for organizations. Absolutely. Um, Your job is to secure things in the proper manner per leadership's requirements. Yeah, yeah. Security is certainly an an enablement. Um, Our role, our uh, responsibility is to to enable the business to do what it needs to do in as secure a fashion as as possible. So the first one you mentioned, the planning, uh, that, that point... Obviously brought up first, um, you do want to spell out um, the strategy, the, the security strategy for the um, for the security team and how it's going to interact with the, with the organization. Um, how it's going to interact with the organization. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's tremendously important. Um, because you don't want security to be the, the team of no. You can't have that. Like that It needs to be no but. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. have to say no, it needs to be no right, but. Right, right. And and we we as security people have to realize the the, the guys in the in business and even the guys that are in, in the IT groups, in IT teams, they're just trying to do to do their jobs. So we need to help them do their jobs wherever we can. Um, so if somebody comes with comes to us wanting to do something that's off the wall, we can say well, there may be a better way to do this. You're trying to open up, I don't know, SMB straight to the internet to share files to somebody in Budapest. What use case are you truly trying to do? Yeah. And how do we do it securely? And how can we do it so that we don't lose all of our data and end up in the news? Yeah. Um, and I think another point as part of this is the, the mission. I know a lot of a lot of security practitioners don't don't get into the mission writing business. A lot of times they get into the security practicing business that's what their jobs mm-hmm. are but knowing what your mission is 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 really key because then you can take everything that you do and make it align to that mission exactly 
So then you know you're doing your job because you're you're focusing on on the mission, and not just your organization's missions, but but your security team's mission. Yeah, because your your organization's going to have an overall mission of you know, outreaching the public and blah blah blah, which mm-hmm. translates to a very polite way of saying make money, feed the machine, <laughs> and the security mission needs to enable that, but also it needs to. You know, how do we keep our security practitioners happy, engaged? How do we make sure that they're not burning out? That's a, a lot more into it. That's a good point, man. I've never heard, I've never seen a mission that that looked back on the team that was supporting the mission. I've it's ne- always a community. Which it would be awesome to have that written in, to, to do the great things in security while not running our security guys off. That, yeah. <laughs> that could be pretty killer. Especially, I mean, it's a high-stress environment anyway. It is, yeah. So uh, the, the better you can make life for security practitioners, the, the better your security will be because turnover is a pain in the ass. And, yeah, and knowledge when you, transfer. And yeah, that, 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 that's a thing. And when, when you lose good people, they take... Um, good knowledge. They, <laughs> they take what... Well, there's a phrase that I can't think of, but they take organizational knowledge with institutional them. Institutional knowledge. Institutional knowledge, yeah. yeah. They take that with them, and it takes a while for people to... to to put all those pieces in, into their mind and figure out what they're doing and how it plays into the overall. Oh, and it's always more expensive because how many times have we seen just right here at the state, right? Mm-hmm. You know, organizations we worked for, um, a good quality engineer gets run out because he was a good quality engineer mm-hmm. or she was a good quality engineer, which means they got more work than everyone else. Yeah, and typically. they left, and they took their institutional knowledge, and then they had to bring in a more expensive resource. Or two. Or two that was able to catch up and redo things. So yeah. planning has to be, I mean, what is it? Um, you go into it without a plan, you're going to fail. You, plan to fail. you fail to plan, you plan What's to fail. What's the saying? You know If it. you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. You plan to fail, yeah. exactly. So, and another key point, right, for planning? Mm-hmm. Resources. Oh, certainly. Both oh financial... Gosh, yes. And human. anytime you're looking, you have to look at salaries because you need humans. Right. And then you need other funding specifically for tools and shiny objects that might help you make your life easier. So Yeah, and that's where I've, I've gained a respect for project managers that, that really understand project management and, and resourcing a project. I used to, I used to <clears> dog them <throat> so bad because I was like, why can't you just give me a list and then I just do it? <laughs> what are you here for? And then... You dive into everything a PMO office does, right? If you, you really learn what it is that they do, oh my gosh, it's uh, it's it can be as detailed as security work in a lot of cases. Absolutely, and they're usually having to deal with um, things that they may not know. Yeah, so oh it's yeah, crazy. You know, you're a PMO, you're not a security practitioner, mm-hmm. you're not an IT practitioner. How are you going to understand what all is required for a transition? So right, right. Um, speaking about people and and all the jazz that goes in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Team composition, right? And obviously it's going to vary yeah. heavily, heavily depending on the organization's, organization size, its complexity. The resources available. The resources that the business is able to afford to make available. But right. usually team composition, are, you know, those are your security analysts, your uh, engineers, any type of managers for like a security operations center, et cetera. Right. So, I mean... It doesn't have to be overly complex, and that's that's just operational security unnamed. That's not even considering right the GRC side of things, right? Right, and we we do get to get to uh, some policies and procedures in a minute, but that's mm-hmm. that's not specific to GRC. But it should definitely be a part of team composition because they're yeah. team members. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Um, and it, it's it's like it's like any team, especially any team that's in a in a high stress um, role. You got to have folks that 
first off, know what they're doing. Yes. Uh, you need people with aptitude. Uh, also, you need people that don't hate each other. Um, a I've little... worked in security <laughs> groups where I've hated the other people. It's tough. It's tough. You can't really get anything done. Um, I mean, how deep does DNS go? It's hard. <laughs> It's hard to get to get things moving when the the pieces or the cogs don't want to work together. Jive. Yeah, um, and I, I know you, you're an extrovert. I'm an introvert. We tend to be like IT guys, and then security guys, especially, tend to be introverts. We so, complement each other very well. Yeah, though. yeah, we do. Um, but I only, in, in I only a, make them blush like a hundred times a day <laughs> with the stuff that comes out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so but so like like a team of introverts you've got to have a leader in there that can get the introverts interacting with each other yeah, yeah. um but that that's that that's that's a key thing is the composition of the group has to be able to has to be able to function has to has to understand their mission and to be able to work with each other to be able to perform the mission to support the organization's overall mission exactly yeah. and not end up up, up in the news Oh, yeah. Don't end up in the news. There, You know that saying, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. If you're an organization that constantly gets compromised, it might be a bad PR stunt. Um, I read somewhere, I can't remember the article. I'm going to have to look it up so I can post it in the notes. But um, a hacker group came out and said that they've intruded or compromised or taken advantage of T-Mobile over 200 times in 2022. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, we only heard about the three. Right, right. Or was it two? Anyway, I only remember two. Because there was one in, like, August, and there was another one in November. Those are the ones that were public. But these mm-hmm. guys were like, yeah, we've been in there all year, 200-plus. But I wonder what intrusions. that means. I'd like for them to define in there. I, w- I wonder what that actually means. Well, I mean, an incident is yeah. compromising a well, an incident Depends is defined on how you by define, the organization. Right. <laughs> but usually, to the layman, an incident is, oh, they got in and they, they have when they access, data, access they to our stuff, stuff they shouldn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, right. So, yeah, team complexity, you know, security analysts, engineers, managers. Good then you, le- good you have leadership. your ISSOs, your ISSMs, yep. your Which those, auditors. Those tend to live more on the compliance side. The ISOs and ISSMs tend to live on the compliance side, which they would end up working with the the security operations team right. to make sure that their compliance is being met. I mean, so you got the GRC side that mm-hmm. does mountains upon mountains of paperwork. Yeah. So they're stressed out from all making sure all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. Uh, yeah, I's are crossed. And, and then they have to go audit, them. and people hate them because they're the they ones do. auditing them. You walk into a room as a GRC guy, you're like, shit. <laughs> Everybody clams up, yeah. You know, so uh, at the state, at OIT, mm-hmm. people loved seeing me in the hallway because that means I was out walking around socializing. But hated when... But they- if I called them, you could hear them go... Like, they drew up within themselves and left an oven in their seat because they assumed I was going to bring them bad news or something like that. So, it, they hate the uh, the uh, GRC side. Well, Which yeah. transitions. You Go ahead. So, yeah, but it, it, it does transition. So, the, the GRC side of things, they I know a lot of um, professionals, like IT professionals, that uh, working on, GR, on, on GRC, like documentation and stuff like that, is just sheer anger a lot of frustrated that's that's the response is they get is i don't have time for for this exactly oh i thought you were talking about them 
who the, uh, the GRC guys? The GRC the, guys no, I'm talking about the, the IT guys. I've seen, I've seen like so. For, for instance, federal agencies showed up to audit a state agency, and the guys that were the network engineers of the state agency, like they're dog already custis. drowning under work. Right, right. I mean, they're, they're a, a, a skeleton crew anyway. <laughs> so I come in there and I'm like, okay, we need four weeks worth of documentation from you guys. I don't know. Pin the paper. Right. I mean, you cannot do your stuff otherwise. Right, right. But so so to help with that a little bit, go ahead and have your policies and which the, the next bullet points policies and procedures. Go ahead and have your policies and procedures developed uh, because the so the policies are your uh, your your pre-decisions. Like the the organization or the leadership of the security team makes makes the decision what the 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 policies uh, what the the mindsets for the team, what those are going to be, and then the team has to, in turn, develop procedures that can support those policies. And the beautiful thing about that is if your policy says that you have to have certain things documented a certain way and they're compliant to the policy, when your auditor shows up, the IT people won't be so angry because <laughs> yeah. they should, in theory, just be able to go, here you go. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. where That's where communication and... Uh, Various other avenues of human in- engineering or interaction come into play. Yeah, yeah. No one wants to document. They're always no, so busy. They, they but if don't. they did it once. Well, and I've, I found too that a lot of a lot of GRC, some the, the the successful GRC guys, first off, they all want to jump off a roof, but they, and they cannot fly. They can understand the what what the technologists are doing well enough to go ahead and, and write it up for them, mm-hmm. and then just say, okay, this is kind of what I have. Is that right? And then the IT guys can go back and say, no, we do it this way. But having your having your policies documented so that you know what your pre-decisions are and then having your procedures documented so that you know what it is that you're doing, that stuff helps you in the, in the day-to-day. Of course, it also helps when auditors show up, but I don't really feel like we need to be doing things just to pass audits. We need to be doing things to mature our organization. And again, we have that as a bullet point later. We'll get to that. Um well, because they want to check boxes, and we want to make sure it's done right. Right. We we want to stay out of the news. Yeah. I mean, I want to check boxes as well, but I want it done right. And right, and that's to get the auditors off our backs. Because, in my opinion, auditors they they really are a waste of time. Assessors, that's where it's at. That's where the that's where the benefit comes. Because people out. lie to auditors. Yeah. You're supposed to be brutally honest with an assessor. Well, you want to pass audits and you want to grow from assessments. Yes. Yeah. Assessors are on your side. Auditors are not. So what, um, <laughs> obviously we believe in 853. Yeah. And that's RMF, our basic. Right, security. right. What should you document in policy? If, you, if Let's say you're completely ignorant to any of the security frameworks, in which case you need to watch episode nine, which is exactly what we talked about. <laughs> A um, lot. What? What type of things need to be, well, policy and proceduralized, if you will? Of, of course, you, you know I'm a huge fan of 53. So anytime there's an opportunity to, to pull a framework into the conversation, I'm going to go go to that. Of course, you need an incident response set of policies and procedures, mm-hmm. and that should include how your uh, what your incident response capability is, what it looks like, kind of what you do day to day, like, and it and it should it should get into scenario specific processes or procedures. So uh, if, um, if a phishing email comes in, that's unsuccessful, this is what we do. Like if it gets caught by the user, this is what we do. If a phishing email comes in, that's not caught by the user and it actually compromises credentials or something like that, 
this Hopefully is what we Hopefully we do. have MFA, but this is what we do. Right, but all, all the steps about those specific scenarios, if malware lands on a device, what do we do? Step by step, start to finish. Mm-hmm. All those things. Right, and every bit of them should be documented within an incident tracking system of some sort. Um, I do a lot of things in um, SharePoint lists, which isn't the greatest, but it's something you can have up and running in It's good for minutes. you because you know it. Yeah, I, I know it, and I can have it up and running in minutes. It's quick. See, I, I like things like uh, ServiceNow because mm-hmm. you can build tasks, you can build workflows, you can do all that. You can. But just like SharePoint, like you're good at SharePoint, mm-hmm. I'm good at ServiceNow. Um, they both require a lift for people that don't know them. Yeah, they do. There's a learning curve. Right. So, And anything's going to have that. Any new tool is going to have that. Um, any new process is going to have that. And the process, you should expect to adjust your processes as you're working through them. Mm-hmm. so that you mature them and make them fit with your organization better. As long as the end goal is still being met, update the processes. What about security training? So specific if to... If the user finds the phishing, you need to pat them on the back. Oh, heck yeah. Because they look, they're quick. I want that $5 off from the <laughs> Irish Bread Pub for their 25th right. anniversary. <laughs> Never mind the fact that that company was only open for five years. It's been closed down. Phishing. Right. Uh, so, yeah, specific to the security operations team, I, I do think there should be... Um, which is part of the 853 framework. Um, I forget exactly what the control is named, but it talks about the betterment of the uh, the security resources, uh, continuous education for the, the and everyone resources. is a security resource at an organization. Yeah, in some yeah. Way. Everybody's got their their security responsibilities. Um, so specific to the security team, I would suggest things like incident response training. Uh, first off, generic, but then also specific to your to your organization. Tabletop, man. Right. Yeah. 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 That way, when it hits the fan, you don't see a bunch of bug-eyed individuals freaking out. Right. So, right. Absolutely. And, and also, the, the type of training that would go into CPEs for certifications and uh, certifications and things like that, I would suggest looking into those. Uh, for government employees, FedVTE is awesome. Uh, it's a little dry at some points, but it's got It is very tons. dry at all points. It's got tons of really good, useful information in it, though. That is very true. Um, uh, what's the other one? Um, I love Cyberary. Cyberary, yeah. Cyberary is rocking. They the costs have gone up for Cyberary in the past couple of years. Inflation, man. Yeah, no, they got to build them back better. We got to feed kids and whatnot. Build them back better. You're training kids. <laughs> uh, so the next one beyond security awareness training, um, I would honestly probably swap. I would start with a risk a risk assessment to understand where the organization's risks are. Mm-hmm. Um, so NIST 800-30, the, the assessment that, that goes, um, the assessment that uh, 800-30 describes assesses against adversarial and non-adversarial uh, scenarios. So basically you'd go through a risk assessment and figure out what risks a- apply to your organization. And then you focus your resources on those risks initially. Absolutely. Um, Thing so um, the, the the other things we've come up with quickly was uh, like access control po- policies and procedures and things like yeah, that. yeah because that's the first thing you see who can get in the building who yeah. has an account to a system mm-hmm. what level of access should they have for each and do all the resources in the network do they all need to communicate with everybody over all ports at all times yeah man all all <laughs> allow all yes it we works don't need a firewall we need a router with no ACO heck yeah dude heck yeah man I love slash eights in Which, the network. That kind of gives us a pretty groovy transition into tools and technologies, right? Because firewalls yeah. are one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I like to call tools and technologies when it comes to information security the uh, the shiny object because everyone has a new tool that's going to make your life awesome, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the new shiny object. Squirrel, I'm going. 
Um, they're almost always outrageously expensive because cybersecurity is a big deal. Um, but you have things like you have firewalls, you have IPS systems, um, you have EDRs, you have SIMs, yep. SIMs mm-hmm. however you say that, logging in general. So there's a lot that could happen. Um because obviously a team needs various tools and technologies to monitor and secure, right? Yeah. So, and I usually don't include AV or anything like that. I think security teams should help drive the decision on which AV to use, but I don't think they should manage it by any means. Maybe audit it. But but from like an operational security team, um, firewalls, you're usually going to have a boundary team. Right. So you need quality firewalls. Me personally, I believe in Fortinet FortiGaze and Palo Alto Networks Palo Altos because those are the two industry leaders for next-gen firewalls. Yep. Cisco and SonicWalk can eat a bag. Um, <laughs> next up, you have intrusion prevention. That's three from you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So you have, you have firewalls that can do IPS, but... If you wanted to do it separately, you're looking at things like uh, tipping points, mm-hmm. which I think they were Trend Micro. Back when we used them, they were with HP. I think they got acquired as a business unit, though. Or yeah, I might they're, be wrong they're with Trend Micro now, yeah. They do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like the name of that line that we used back in the day, the 5200 NXs. Mm-hmm. Called them Dragons. Dragons. Yeah. And yeah. if you were good at it, you were the Dragon Master. <laughs> the Dragon Master. One. So. Yeah. But security tools are almost always an arm and a leg. Yeah. And but there are options, right? There are open source options that you've been playing with a good bit lately. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you've seen. Just in your your brief, and we're in our infancy. We're standing up some open source tools specifically to help organizations that are limited by um, financial right constraints. Funding. They have financial yeah. constraints. They just cannot buy an eight hundred thousand dollar one terabyte. A day ingestion point for Splunk. <laughs> Not granted, they don't need a terabyte a day, but you know, from a sim point point of view, you have ArcSight, QRadar, Logarithm, and Splunk, and all of them are expensive as hell unless yeah. you go with something like Devo, which is clever. Mm-hmm. So, which ones have you been playing with from an open source standpoint, and how are you feeling about them? Like, I know it's brand new. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You stood so up I've, the VM yesterday. I've spent I spent the past case week. Benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent the past week um, working on some open source tools, and, I, and I've I've dabbled in them before, which I, I would call what I've done this week dabbling in these in these technologies. Um, I, I, I spun up an instance of of the Elastic Stack, which Elk. Yeah, Elk is a elk. workhorse, but I swear. This is my only complaint with open source. I swear they make it as difficult as possible because it's some nerd looking at whatever code that they're using for their source code in their mom's basement. Yeah. And they just, I'm going to make this as difficult as possible. So, but I'm the only one. Yeah, I like how you just adjusted your glasses just then. Nice. Yeah, I don't have glasses, right. but you do. Yeah, I just adjusted them. you never them have to adjust them. You did? Oh, uh, from the side. It's way less nerdy when it's from the side. Yeah. You got to push it up. No. But you're not thick frame. I don't have the tape there to keep it. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. Uh, no, uh, Elastic is killer. It's enormous, and it can do anything that a log aggregation tool can do. Can do, but I don't know how to speak it. I, I got I got my Elastic instance with uh, Kibana presenting the 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 web front end for it. I got uh, FileBeats sending it data. 
Um, what are these things? You're like goodness naming gracious, things that man. Might not be. So, so Elastic is, is kind of the, the, the search engine in, in the back end. It's the indexer. Yeah. If you're used to Splunk, it's the indexer. I have right. to relate it to Splunk because that's what I... And I'm not well-versed in Splunk by any means. Um, but that, that's, that's where the data kind of lives. That's how you interact with the data. The, the presentation of the data happens in Kibana. That's the like the, the GUI. That's the GUI. That's the the web front end that um, users interact with. Uh, Logstash can can take data streams and feed it into Elastic, which then Kibana presents. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like your uh, syslog ingestion and yeah 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 yeah. And then um, the the beats, the different beats. There's um, there's there's a file beats. There's winlog beats. There's just that's that's the agents that tend to run on the the endpoints that report back to Elastic mm-hmm. sometimes through Logstash. Um, it's dude, it's just it's a lot. I got them I got them working. <laughs> but when <laughs> you, I got you even got a little sample data. In yeah, there. yeah. So I got uh, an OpenVAS report dumped into it. I was trying to get a good good visualization uh, visualizations built on vulnerability reports. Man. I got nothing. Like I can click through it and I can do things. I can make the data, the, the dashboards change, but it's pulling teeth to make. I am, I am not a Linux admin by any means, but I was able to get Splunk running in all in one instance on Linux by myself and yeah. on windows. <laughs> I stood up a Proxmox cluster at my house and then proceeded to try to stand up elastic Log yeah. stash and Kibana, the whole elk stack or the elastic stack that they call yeah, it. Yeah, they changed it to elastic stack, yeah. And brother. Dude. Almost threw that server out the damn window. It's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. So yeah, the ne- the next one that I spent some time on was the security onion. And it's um Which runs on those. It has Kibana in it. Yeah, in it's, all, that's all, it's all that's all that's all built into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it's um Which Security Onion isn't necessarily a um like a log ingestion type thing. It uses log ingestion software to run other use cases. Right. It's it's more intended to, to be kind of a, oh my gosh, like a, a security centralization point. Like you can send all of your IPS and IDS logs to it. You can send uh, host agent logs to it. Um, and then interact with that in like a like a SOC capability mm-hmm. for um, for for instant response. It's got case management built in. Yes, it does, and it's it's pretty killer too. How you can graduate uh, an alert into the case management and then work the case and close it out. That, that's cool. I, I like how that how that worked. Um, it's kind of well, I don't want to say static, but it was hard to. That's what she said. <laughs> It was. What am I trying to say? So it was. It was. It was difficult. So it it was difficult to to get a like a decent cadence to it. I kind of had to go back to start a lot to get where I was trying to head. Like pivoting from one location to another was difficult for me to get my brain wrapped around. So maybe it just needs a little intuitive redesign. Or, on I mean, or training. I mean, I, I, I probably just need a training. Yeah. Yeah. It's the keyboard air, uh, Pebcac. Yeah. Problem exists between keyboard and chair, my man. <laughs> right. no, that's totally it. So then the, the, the last one that I, that I stood up, um, the latest one that I stood up was a Wazoo instance. I like Wazoo. I do too. I stood too. up a cloud instance. I like it too. I actually like the on-prem instance better than the cloud. Yeah. It was easier to get the agents into it, but I'm not sure if you can take an on-prem instance of Wazoo and present it to the internet for remote mm-hmm. users to... Oh, you totally can. You well, can, I don't know if it's a good idea. You can let it use FQDN with SSL encryption. 
Yeah. Because yeah. I played with Wazoo. Right. And I know, I know that you can. I don't know if the service that's listening is secure enough to publish out to the internet. That's what I'm getting at. Are, are any of them? You know, being really? a, a security guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like Wazoo. I like the ideas behind it. So I think that it, it could be a tool that could be really, really useful, especially in an EDR uh, use case, I guess. Because, yeah, I mean, like for the EDR is expensive as hell. Mm-hmm. All the managed or XDR or EDR platforms tend to be a little high. Right, right. CrowdStrike is pretty decent on their pricing, but you have to have a decent number of agents to further really pop. Right, right. So. right. Yeah, but so uh, so Wazoo was was working really well. I'll probably spend more time in it, but you've got to get it to, to automate some of the the quarantining functions. You've got to get it um, integrated with things like the Windows firewall and like Linux IP tables, that kind of a thing, mm-hmm. to automate quarantine so that you can stop a machine you, you can stop malicious activity from spreading throughout your network yes quickly without having to go put hands on every machine that's been impacted um, anyway so that, that's just some of the things i've goofed up goof with this week uh, the, the open source uh, community is, has come a tremendously long ways like since i started working in open source i've been using linux since like 96 97 um you know why you know why it's come so far because back then the only people using linux yeah. We're the Uber nerds. Yeah. And then you have people like us or you got people a lot smaller, smarter than us. <laughs> they got tired of paying the astronomical <clears throat> prices and they're like, well, let's go open source. Okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of limitations. It's either not very easy to deploy, not mm-hmm. very easy to use, or there's a lot of knowledge driven stuff that we just can't consume. Yeah. And so, well, let's hire some people that can make it simple. And they have, and they've done and that. So they hire people to make it simple. It's like you contribute to the community we use it as this resource mm-hmm. and you know, they pay their salary and keep them going. So, yeah. And I've seen a lot of these companies that, that stand this stuff up security onion and wazoo, for instance, they have services that they'll provide. Well, they'll come in mm-hmm. and they'll stand up your, your instances of these technologies, Quality professional services. Yeah. 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 And they're, they're killer and they can get you up and running in a heartbeat. My only fear is when it breaks, <laughs> which is easy to do. If there's, if it's a vehicle with wheels, I can wreck it. If it is a yeah. Linux box with anything running on it that's mission critical, I can, I I can, can break, break a dependency. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I shouldn't have app get updated or whatever on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, well, cool. Yeah. So, so we just named we just rattled off a whole bunch a whole of different bunch of tools. stuff. Yeah. Some were open source, some were closed source, uh, which is why there's always that shiny thing, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's always a tool that can allegedly make your life perfect. They never do, so don't fall for it. There's never a silver bullet. So, which brings us in the risk management. Because yeah. that's what helps you decide which tool you actually need to spend the money on or how much you need to resource into it. Right, right. You know? So, I mentioned risk management, risk assessments, and the uh, talking about policies and procedures. Um, I, again, I, I think you, you may have industry that tells you what your, what your security requirements have to be. But if you have, um, if your security requirements are kind of open-ended, it wouldn't hurt to start everything off with a good, solid, honest risk assessment. And emphasis on honest. <laughs> honest, yeah. You're always honest with the assessor. You're honest with the auditor. But but the company is trying to pass the audit, so they're not as forthcoming <laughs> as they should be in those situations. Well, in, in, in an audit, you answer, just answer the question. Never Cause expand. Because you're, you're trying to pass it. In an assessment drown the assessor in, in information because the assessor can help you find places to mature. Mm-hmm. But so, so again, with, with risk management, a, a risk management program 
would and strategy would would make things like risk assessments a normal part of the organization to where they happen uh, cyclically so that you can measure where you started versus where you are year to year. Progression path. Right, right. And there, there may be things that change year to year. So like uh, 10 years ago when we were doing risk assessments, we would answer pandemic questions like, that's eh, a low risk. But now, holy crap, it, it was real. And it happened. set it loose from Wuhan. Yeah, so now we got to develop processes on what do we do when we get sent home for a year. But, but stuff like that, because things do change. So That was a curveball. That was a curveball that most of us weren't expecting. I lost 50 pounds, man, because I was bored, so I went out and exercised. Really? Every pound I lost, I gave to someone, apparently, because a lot of people gained a lot of weight. Dude, the last thing I was was, was bored. Goodness gracious, that was <laughs> such a busy time. Um, but that, that's, that's, that's my point with this bullet is a risk management strategy with a risk management program that lets mm-hmm. you assess risks on a regular basis so that you, you can adjust on things that are changing. If you've matured an area, maybe you find a new area of risk that you need to get focused on so you can focus your security resources on it. Absolutely. Yep. Which kind of brings us to training and awareness. We touched on it with policies and procedures mm-hmm. because security awareness training is kind of a big deal from an organizational standpoint. But training and awareness, and you made mention, you know, training the security team, providing yeah. them continuing education, yeah, so what's, what's oh, the, the you're joke? You're a firewall guy? Why are you going to just only focus on firewalls? Do more. Yeah. Learn more. Well, you and you can learn something else that may help you do your firewall job way better. Yeah, if you understand why that server is yeah. so busted. Right. You can do more. Right. Um, and what, the, there's the phrase that why would you want to, or, or what happens if you train up your team and then they get Leave. a job somewhere else? And then the response to that is, well, what if you don't train them and yeah. they stay? <laughs> I think that's hilarious. You don't need a potato. Right, just right. sitting there growing. Yes, yeah. and that stuff does happen. Um, but keeping keeping your security team uh, um, aware of changes in the industry uh, is is key. In, in IT, absolutely, but especially security because the security landscape changes daily. daily. I mean, by the hour, by the hour stuff yeah. is going on. Uh, yeah, so I won't spend too much time on it, but it's it's key to yeah. train your your guys. Now, if you go back to bullet three, policies and procedures, an incident response should be easy, right? Uh-huh. You know, yeah. There's an incident response team sometimes, or sometimes it's just a team that's made up of people that are right. already within the organization. Yeah, and, and that's what I see in, in most organizations is uh, the pe- people that are subject matter experts in certain roles are parts of the incident response team because mm-hmm. the guy that leads the incident response activities for the organization, which often is the CISO, if a big incident happens, He's got to pull in all these SMEs that can help perform the incident response and function. And one of those SMEs is usually going to be a resume writing professional. Oh, man. Because we call them resume-generating resume generating events. events. RGEs, yeah. You can do everything right. You get compromised. they got to have someone fall on the sword, right? Yeah. and I'm, um, I, We had a change in that trajectory a few years ago where they stopped firing CISOs every time something Because you run breached. out of CISOs. Well, right. <laughs> plus, plus, you fire the dude that just went through and survived – the event this incident yeah if now anything, he's got this experience versed. right right which often the scissors often a, a a breach or an incident like that is either a procedural fail or a technology fail both of which the CISO isn't directly over most of the time if um if a phishing email is successful and the secretary clicks on the uh the invoice the invoice link and 
breaks out malware across the organization. Yeah, we need to have the EDR tools in place to stop it before it gets too wide. But that secretary clicking that link, it's not the CISO's fault. Mm-hmm. Anyway. They um, like to kick us when we're down, though. They do. Yeah, they do. But but a good a good incident response capability, capability a good incident response plan that documents at, at like the, the high level what's expected uh, to happen in the middle in the middle of an incident as far as here's where all the tools live here are the people that are on the incident response team mm-hmm. uh, here are your reporting requirements and timelines uh, and of course here's what the definition of an incident is to us um, I mean all, all that's all that's key so that when you're in the middle of, a, of the moment you don't have to stop and go what do I do now we're at this point what, what do I do you have the process. It's all stepped out for you, so you're good. Right, and to step back up to training and aware, awareness for just a minute, training on your incident response plan and your incident response capability is is key in helping the SMEs that are IR resources mm-hmm. know what their role is. Especially if you bring in outside resources. Mm-hmm. You're like, your role is this. You're going to be the data jockey. You're going to get everything, get the chain of custody, blah, blah, blah. Here's your steps. Follow this because they don't—they're not familiar with your organization. They have right. to have guidance. Right, right. Which then, of course, brings us to our last bullet, and it's continuous improvement. Yeah. Which we've hampered on continuously, so we may not even need. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. But if you're not getting better, you're dumb. Uh, what is the? Or if you're not improving not... your brain, the moment you stop learning new things, man, it's when you <laughs> kind of fall off. Yeah, if uh, like the shark's not if it's not moving forward, it's dying. It's belly up. Yeah, yeah. Um, the and th- this bullet point me it means grow all the time, um, m- mature at every every opportunity, uh, either through the other like risk management processes or security control reviews that kinds of a th- that kind of a thing, um, or in in your training if you learn something new, work it into the processes. Especially if it makes life better. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's and the reason it's called continuous improvement is because it's all day, every day. Like little bitty things can add up to, to great gains. Absolutely. Yeah. So there is a plethora of things that go into <laughs> either being a part of running or standing up an information security team. Right. A lot of things right. to be considered not only by you if you're the person standing it up, but your leadership, the board, the CEO, CIO. And the daggum secretary that's clicking the invoice, yeah. It's always the invoice. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, hopefully our long diatribe about what it is to stand up an information security office and what all is involved has provided you some benefit. Uh, Do us a solid. Post your comments below because we're curious as to uh, hardships and things that you guys or bullet points that you may see as uh, critical from your own perspective when it comes to doing this. Yeah, maybe things we missed or something like that, yeah. And then, of course, hit like and subscribe because uh, we love you and you need to love us (laughs) so that we can get our word out better. Um, Thank you for watching, and remember, security is achievable.